Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Turn with me to the book of John chapter 13. John chapter 13, I'm going to be reading from verse 3 to verse 11. So John chapter 3, verse, John chapter 13, 3 to 11. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and, they, that, and that he had come from God and he was going to God, rose from the supper and laid aside his garment, took a towel and girded it around himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And he wiped them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Then he came to Simon Peter. Somebody say, he came to Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter says to him, you shall never wash my feet. I love how Peter is just so extra in everything. He just wants to be the loudest. Like, I'm sure that the, the, the disciples were lined up. And so Jesus is, like, getting, you know, going to each person, watch them. And then he gets to Peter, and Peter's like, you're never going to wash my feet. I'm going to be better than and all of them. I'm not going to let you wash my feet because I love you that much, Jesus. Peter is so extra. And so he says this, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answers him, if I do not wash your feet, then you have no part with me. Simon Peter says to him, Lord, not just my feet only, but my hands and my head. <laughs> Peter, <laughs> you're so extra, dude. And he says to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, Peter. Because <laughs> he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. Father, we come before you. We just thank you for today. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your, your grace. We thank you for the indwelling presence on the inside of us that guides us through everything that we go through, Father, for your strength and your mercy. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to uh, start by saying, yes, I did trim my beard. Yes, it is weird looking. It feels weird. I hate it. Um, I, I, it was an accident. I did not do this on purpose. Okay, I was trimming my, my mustache, and I used the wrong clip, and it went brrr, and a super short and long beard. So I thought, maybe I could fix it, so I tried, and then I just looked Amish. And I was like, this isn't any better. <laughs> so I trimmed everything, and then after I took a shower, and I got out and got dressed, and then I had to call Taj and Alina over, and they were very upset with me. <laughs> Taj just screamed and said, what did you do? Why did you do that? Alina said, I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> it was a big old ordeal. Nevertheless, I am here and God is good. Amen? <laughs> God is still on the throne even though my beard is not on my face. But it will come back, I tell you. Give me two weeks and it will be back. Uh, people always say, like, where do you get your beard from? My dad can't grow anything. And I always think it's funny that I say, like, I get my beard from my mom. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Italian-German side of the family. <laughs> My dad can't grow nothing. He'll grow for like a month and it'll just be stubble, like little gray stubble. It's cute. It's cute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
my, my, uh, my message today is uh, called Judas, Friend of Jesus. And uh, I was always fascinated. I think we have an overhead that can throw up there. I was always fascinated with Judas. I know he's one of the characters in the Bible that we don't like, <laughs> that, that we kind of despise, and we, we, we peg him as the villain and the bad guy. But his, his story just always was, like, interesting to me. I just couldn't get, I always like, man, I want to know more about this guy, Judas, and, and where he was, and, and how this came to be, and, and it's just, I don't like to just think everybody's a bad guy. You ever seen Wreck-It Ralph? Just because I'm a bad guy doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. <laughs> Remember? You guys from Okay, never mind. Um, you ever, uh, does anybody um, know anybody, like you personally, know somebody named Peter? Raise your hand. Like, I know Peter. I know, like, two Peters. Peter's a common name. And when you're, when you're, you're picking baby names, you know, you, you go through a list of names. You're like, I want something biblical. I want something strong, something that means something. So you go through the list of names, and you're trying to pick a strong name, and you can't figure out, so you're like, forget it. I'm just going to name him Apple or Blanket. <laughs> These weird names. So the other day I was on, online. I was, like, going through Google, and I was, like, looking through, like, different names. I was like, what's some strong biblical names? And here's what the suggestions were for me. It said, um, Asher, Jokin, Hiram, uh, Meshai, Rufa, and Gad. That's what they gave me out of the Bible to pick as a baby name. That's ridiculous. Who's going to name their kid Gad? Like, <laughs> or Rufa. Like, this is horrible. You have to think of things when you're naming your child because kids are mean. Like... Kids are brutal. They come up with crazy nicknames for them. One of the things, my, whenever my mom hears like an, uh, an unusual name for a child, her go-to is, they're never going to be able to get a keychain. <laughs> they will never find a keychain with their name on it. And she's so distraught and saddened that the fact that this child will never have a keychain with her name on it. <laughs> And I don't think that's the, what their parents are looking at or thinking of. That my child will never have a mug, will never have a keychain with their name on it. But names are so interesting. You know, nowadays we don't really think of names that have meaning, that have some strength tied to it. I know when I picked Taj, I knew right off the bat that if I have a son, his name's going to be Taj. He never gets keychains. He never gets shirts with his name on it. You just don't find it, you know. I, when I was thinking of the name Taj, I found I liked the name because I grew up surfing. There was this pro surfer named Taj Burroughs, and I thought, man, I like that name. If I ever have a son, it's going to be Taj. And so that's where that name came from. But later on, his, name, his full name is Taj Keone Aragon, and later on I realized that Taj means crown and Keone means from above. So I was like, hey, that's good because, hey, hey. <laughs> I didn't even know I was doing good, but I did good. <laughs> but in the biblical times, in Bible times, names meant something. They were very important. You know, I, going through all this, this list of all these weird names, you know what name is not on that list? Judas. No mention. All these weird names, hard to pronounce. But Judas doesn't even make the list. Does anybody know anybody named Judas? Like a friend? <laughs> Nobody named Judas. <laughs> Has you ever maybe considered naming your child Judas? 
No, it never, it never pops into your head. Judas never comes up. <laughs> but in Bible times, names meant something. Peter meant rock. It's a strong name. Judas means praise. It's beautiful. But the name Judas is now fused with his choices and his mistakes. And a lot of us kind of feel like we've been branded with our mistakes. And the things that we've done are now our identities. The mistakes that we've made, the choices that we've done that were wrong. And they just are tied to who we are now. But I'm here today to tell you that your bad choices are not your identity. That your destiny was not revoked because of your wrongdoings. And and your future is going to be greater than your yesterdays. That God has something planned for you. That don't stop now just because you've made mistakes. That keep pushing because God has a plan and a destiny for your life. I want to go through the contrast between Judas and Peter. You know, have you ever heard like a Christian joke where someone passes away and they go to heaven and they're greeted by somebody? Everybody knows it's St. Peter at the pearly gates. And the joke goes on to whatever it's going to be. But Peter is always in heaven. He's always the first guy that you encounter. He's always there monitoring who comes in and who goes out. And in 1320, there was a play that was written called Dante's Divine um, Destiny. Or Dante's Divine Comedy. If you've ever read it, it's super long. It's three volumes. But the first volume is called The Inferno. And it's all a book of fiction where Dante travels into hell and he begins to go through the different rings of hell, through the different layers. And the, the, the outside, he says, is not so bad. But the inner core is the worst of them all, which it should be. You know, all of hell is bad. But this is a fiction book, okay? He gets to the center of this place. It's the darkest pit the deepest, darkest pit of hell. And he says, that's where Satan lives. And he describes Satan as having three different mouths, and he feeds on the three worst sinners in history. But he says this about, here's what he says. He says, the foremost sinner found that biting is nothing when matched against the clawing where the times of his back were being stripped from his hide. And who is he talking about? Judas. Judas is the foremost sinner in hell that he has a special place that Satan just feasts on him night and day, never failing. And in the second volume, Dante travels to heaven. And he said he's greeted by who? Peter. And here's his description of Peter. Peter, a bright and glorious as three rings circling around him dancing and singing so divine, no imagination can compare to it. There's this huge contrast between Judas and Peter. That, that, that Judas has a special place in hell because of what he's done. But Peter is exalted in heaven that he oversees who comes in and out. We, we name our kids Peter. We name our enemies Judas. See, Judas is now tied to a traitor, a backstabber, a liar, a swindler. No good. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, that's what he did to Jesus. He betrayed him. 
for 30 pieces of silver, the going rate of a slave at that time. He betrays our Lord and Savior. And because of it, we're so angry with him. We see him in Scripture as the worst person on earth. Someone we just hate. But there's also some similarities between Peter and Judas. There's some good qualities about Peter. I want to go through a couple of them. The first one is this. They were both handpicked by Jesus to be apostles. No matter what your thoughts about about, uh, Judas, no matter what your thoughts about Peter, Jesus picked them by hand. And amongst amongst a, a huge crowd, Jesus zoned in on Judas and said, I need you as my, uh, my disciple, as my apostle, he was picked, hand-picked. Not because he had everything going right in his life. Not because he had all understanding of spiritual things. Not because he had all faith to move mountains. He wasn't equipped. That's not why he was chosen. Understand that God does not choose the equipped, he equips the chosen. They were both hand-picked by our Lord and Savior. The second one. They were both part of Jesus' traveling ministry. They went everywhere with Jesus. They were vital parts of Jesus' plan and ministry getting accomplished. Vital. I would say Judas was more important because he held the money. He had to make sure that there was money so that they can get to where they were going. And when they got there, they had enough money to get a place to stay, to get food, to bless somebody. He had everything. He had it all. He was holding the financial uh, ruin or success of the ministry. And Jesus put him in that position. He didn't like come up and say, hey, here's my credentials. I'm I'm on LinkedIn. Here's where I'm at. This is what I got. Jesus chose him by hand and placed him where he needed him most. That's beautiful. For God to come to you and say, hey, I need you in this position more than anything else. You are so vital to this part of my ministry. My traveling ministry will not work without you in it. I need you. They were both taught to pray by Jesus. Wow. Imagine your teacher is Jesus. Imagine you're traveling in school with Jesus. God, wrapped in flesh. Leaves heaven, comes to earth, becomes born of a virgin, wraps himself, and he's your teacher. Jesus personally taught Judas and Peter along with the rest of the disciples. They were both witness to the healing, miracle power of Jesus Christ. They both saw the dead raised, they both saw blinded eyes open, they both saw the lame walk. They both saw demons cast out. They both witnessed every single miracle that Jesus partook in. They were right there, front and center, aiding and assisting, making the line straight. They were ushers. They were catchers. They were door holders. They were everything. Jesus could not get his stuff accomplished if he did not have the help of the disciples. He didn't come to earth and be like, I'm just going to do this on my own. He said, no, I need 12 disciples to help me get this thing done. And he picked them. They were vital to him. They were both there when Jesus washed their feet. 
Jesus got down and washed Judas' feet. It's a sign of love and, and, and servitude that Jesus got up out of the table, their head, their rabbi, their teacher, their Messiah, gets up, takes off his robe, puts a towel around his waist, and gets on his hands and knees and washes their feet. This is a beautiful sight. And was taken, they were, must have been taken back. That the person that I look to, the person that I glean from, is washing my feet. The thing that the servant of the house does, the help does this. But the rabbi, my teacher, our Messiah is washing our feet. And Jesus didn't come to Judas and skip him. He says that he was there. He was numbered amongst them. He washed his feet. See, we love to hate Judas, and I understand, I get it, but he was still Jesus' friend. Jesus still loved him. Jesus still cared about him. Jesus still had compassion for him, wanted him around, built a relationship with him. So now, now that I've, I've, I've built up Judas a bit, right? <laughs> now, now I've built up Judas to the place of Peter at least. So let's see if we can bring Peter down a little bit. Some similarities here. We know that in, in Luke chapter 22, let's turn to Luke chapter 22 real fast. I'm going to go through a couple of things. Luke chapter 22, verse 1 through um, 5. I'm going to start reading. Luke chapter 22, 1 through 5. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which they called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they may kill him, meaning Jesus, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surname Iscariot, who was numbered amongst the twelve. So he went and confided with the, with the chief priests and the captains. Now he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. It says that Satan entered Judas. Now as a kid, I've heard the story, I've read about it, and I always pictured this like monstrous uh, incarnation happening. Like the Satan went into Judas and he turned into this foul beast and now crawled on all fours and was just running down the streets like a madman. And that's not what happened. That's not what happened. And, and we hear this scripture, we think, man, he's the most evil person ever. He, he's got to be the worst person on the planet. He deserves the pit of hell. He deserves the deep, dark recesses of hell. But understand, the same thing happened to Peter. Matthew chapter 16, turn with me. Matthew chapter 16 I think his encounter was even worse to me. Chapter 21 through 23. Matthew chapter 16, 21 through 23. From this time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things uh, to the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter, here he is putting his foot in his mouth, Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter begins to rebuke Jesus, saying, 
far be it for you, Lord, that you should that this should happen to you. Then Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Exclamation point. He yelled it in his face. This wasn't a nice encounter. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are offensive to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. At this moment, Satan was trying to maneuver inside Peter to derail what Jesus was about to do. The same thing happened to Judas. Peter wasn't this amazing guy who never did anything wrong. Peter was a screw-up. Jesus turns. Peter pulls Jesus, God, aside, like, yo, God, I need to talk to you. Like, look, I know you got things going on. You got all these people following you, but you need to stop talking like that. Like, I can't have you messing up the ministry that we're trying to build here by saying you're going to die. Because if you die, that kind of loses our stock options. And stock's going to start plummeting. If you're not here, who do we worship? You know, who do we follow? I, I can't have you dying right now. We're trying to build something. I'm getting clout. Jesus turns around and yells in his face. Get behind me, Satan. You offend me. You know nothing of what God is trying to do. You only work for what men want. You're selfish in your ways, Peter. Man. With Judas, he just said that Satan entered him and he went and did what he was going to do. Let's, can we kind of dive into the characters a little bit? To, so here's what they both, they were both influenced one way or another by Satan. They both wanted Jesus to be something that he wasn't. So they wanted a Messiah that was going to rule, a king, a, a, po- a political, a military ruler that would overthrow Rome and place himself as king and bring uh, Israel back to the place that it once was. That's what they really wanted. They didn't understand that that's not what his goal was. See, he said it time and time again, I'm here to save that which is lost. To bring the relationship back between God and man. I'm not here to overthrow Rome. That's not on my agenda. I'm here for the lost sheep of Israel, the ones that have gone astray because of the religious leaders. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to fight. I'm I'm not here to rage war against Rome. I'm not here for that, but that's what they wanted. They wanted their Messiah to be king, to rule Rome, to turn it back over to the people and establish Israel as its place of glory. That's not what he was here for. I want to jump into their stories really fast. See, uh, Peter, it says that, that uh, Jesus begins to tell people, that, hey, you're going de- to deny me. And Peter's like, I'm not going to do it. Once again, he, he, he's all mouthy. I'm not going to do it, Jesus. I'll never per- uh, uh, betray you. They may turn from me, but I will not. <laughs> and Jesus turns and says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the crow makes any noise. You're, you're going to deny me. And it happens. It says that Peter, at once Jesus was taken, that Peter followed behind a distance off, and he was watching to see what was going on. 
And it says that someone saw him and said, hey, weren't you one of his friends? He said, I don't know this man. He began to curse them and curse knowing Jesus. He betrayed him. Three times this happened. He betrays Jesus. When, when, when Jesus is on the cross, you know who's not there? Peter. He didn't go. Could it be that he kind of felt, you know what? Uh, the, Messiah isn't, this isn't, the Messiah is not supposed to die. I, I, he kept talking about this. I told him that's not what the Messiah is. The Messiah is supposed to rule and reign over Israel. He messed it all up. Maybe I was right in, 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 in denouncing him. Maybe I was right because if he was really the Messiah, he wouldn't be hanging on a tree. Maybe I didn't make a mistake in denying him. Maybe it was okay. Maybe I just denied a false Messiah. He wasn't there. No matter what happened, he wasn't there. He kept saying, I'll never leave you. I'll be the one. If everybody else leaves, I will be there. No, he wasn't. When push come to shove, he was running. Now, let's get into Judas. Judas wanted the same thing. He wanted a Messiah that was going to rule and reign. Destroy Rome's occupation. Bring back Israel to the place of glory. They wanted the exact same thing. But Judas thought, you know what? I think Jesus needs some help getting there. Maybe I can maneuver some things and set some things up to where there's a fight that happens and Jesus brings out his authority because I've seen it happen. He talks to the winds and the waves and they obey. He, he talks to the dead and they rise up. So there's power within him. And I know it. If I can just get him to get over just the teaching and, and the healing part and get him to the ruling part, man, we can get some things going here. So, so he has a plan. I'm going to go. I'm going to help these guys. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to push some things along. I can almost see Judas as, as he comes up and he's got this plan. He gets the money. He comes up to Jesus. Everything's going right. Like, yes, Jesus is there. They come. Who are, Jesus is like, who are you looking for? And he says, we're looking for Jesus. And he says, I am he. And they all fall out. It says, all of the military fall out on their back. And Jesus is like, yes, it's going to happen. I knew it. This is all we needed. Jesus is going to assert his authority. And, and all of Rome is going to run like, like dogs with their tail between their legs. It's going to be awesome. This is happening. I did right. And then they get up and Jesus says, who are you looking for? You're looking for Yeshua. He says, I am he. Nobody falls. Jesus is like, wait a minute. Peter gets crazy, pulls out a sword, chops off some guy's ear. Judas is like, yeah, we can go with it. It'll work. But then something happens. Jesus doesn't fight anymore. He willingly goes to the, to the courts, and things begin to happen. And Jesus begins to get beat and ends up on a cross. And Judas, you realize what Judas does. Look, check this out. Matthew 27 3 through 5. Matthew 27, 3 through 5. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was mournful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chiefs and the priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying an innocent man. And they have said to him, What is that with us? You see to it. 
Then he threw down the pieces of silver at the temple and departed from them, and he hung himself. Does this sound like an, an evil man? Does this sound like the epitome of evil itself, evil incarnate? No, this sounds like a man who made a mistake. This sounds like a guy who thought he was going to have it one way and things began to turn and he didn't know what to do. He runs back to the court and says, you got to make a stop. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't how it was supposed to go. Take the silver back. I don't want any part of it anymore. It's already done. This isn't how it was supposed to happen, though. That's my Messiah up there. You don't understand. It's too late. I didn't want this to happen. This isn't how it was supposed to go. I don't want any part of it. He throws the money. Take it away. Take it back. Please just make it stop. It's too late. It's happened. He didn't know what to do. He had betrayed the person that he loved, the person who poured so much into his life, the person who loved him, the person who, put, who picked him out of everybody, saw him fit to put him into the ministry. This wasn't an evil man. This is a guy that made a mistake. This is a guy that allowed Satan to use him. This is a guy that fell into temptation and full of, of guilt, full uh, of wrongdoing. He does the only thing he can think of, and that was to hang himself. But it says that he, he was saddened by what happened, sorrowful. He says, I've condemned an innocent man. He, he did nothing wrong. I made a mistake. See, they're a lot alike, Judas and Peter. There's a lot of similarities between the two. They're, they're almost the same person. But what makes the difference now at the end of the story? See, because we know that Peter is in heaven and Judas is in hell. They made the same outcome. They had the same story. They made the same choices. But where it mattered most, there was a difference. And John, actually go to Matthew chapter 26. I want to show you something. This is beautiful. Matthew chapter 26. I'm closing down. Matthew chapter 26, verse 50. Immediately, this is when, when Judas comes to the, uh, to the garden to betray Jesus. Look at this, how beautiful it is. Immediately when he, when he said, when he went up to Jesus and he said to him, and he greeted him, saying, greetings, Rabbi, and he gave him a kiss. And Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? He didn't say, traitor, liar. In the face of his betrayer, Jesus, God, wrapped in flesh, says, friend, why have you come? How beautiful is it that even though we make mistakes in life, even though we, we've turned our back from things that we shouldn't have done or, or we've turned towards things that we shouldn't have done, then we come to Jesus. He doesn't call us by our sin. He doesn't call us by our wrongdoing. He calls us friend. He calls us son. He calls us chosen. He calls us what we are. You know, there's this, this new thing going around my, um, that people want to be called different things. 
like these little names or whatever they're called, like, oh, I'm a guy, but I'm a he, she, them kind of thing. What is that called? They're, they're pronouns. <laughs> I wanted this, I, I'm, I'm this, but this is my pronoun. I, I want to introduce you. My name is Brent, but my pronouns are redeemed, delivered, and sanctified. Healthy, whole, saved. Those are my pronouns because when Jesus sees me, he doesn't see Brent. He sees the redeemed. He sees the forgiven. That's who we are. Judas comes up to Jesus, and he doesn't say Judas. He doesn't say betrayer. He doesn't say liar. He doesn't say any of these things. He says, friend, compassion, love, mercy, and grace. Friend, why have you come? Nearing the end of our story, John chapter 6. Turn with me there. John chapter 6, 66 through 70. I got to get there. It says this. And he says, Therefore I say to you, where am I in the right place? Yeah. 66, verse 66 and 7. This is Jesus uh, giving a message. And he says, For at this time, in verse 66, For at this time, many of the disciples went back and walked away from him. And Jesus turns to the twelve. Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answers and says, Lord, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, You do not choose the twelve. And one of you is a devil, talking about Judas. This was the difference right here. See, one believed in Jesus for eternal life. One believed in Jesus as a Messiah to rule and reign on earth. There's a big difference, folks. See, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know where you find yourself in life right now. But I'm here to tell you that Don't allow your mistakes, your sin, your wrongdoing to be your identity. We need to look past it that our tomorrows are not our yesterdays. Make the choice today. I'm choosing eternity with God, not my failures, not my wrongdoings. Go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your anointing, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.